Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined as always. My main man, Ari Wasserman. Ari, how's life? Hey, good. How's your septic tank? <laughs> good, good. <laughs> Replaced, covered with concrete. Uh, I think I think we're all good now. We have some stuff that needs to get taken care of um, in the backyard. That's going to be a little bit. But but in terms of in the house, um, everything's going where it should be, which is out of the house. So it's great. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's good. I'm happy to hear that, bud. Uh, I'm sure you could have bought a Rolex for how much the uh, repairs were, but I'm happy that you're back living in a livable environment. I don't know how much a Rolex costs, but I think you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't buy old houses, folks. Buy new ones. Actually, don't buy a house. Just rent. Just rent. Let's make it somebody else's problem. Rent and invest in uh, GameStop. You'll be good. There you go. There you go. <laughs> no, I'm good otherwise. I was in Louisville early, earlier this week. Went down to see uh, Keontae Goodwin, Ohio State recruiting target in the class of 2022, who is – he might be the biggest human I've ever had a personal face-to-face interaction with. Bigger than Dewan Jones? Uh, you know, I've never, like, stood next to Dewan Jones. I mean, like – like Dewan Jones is also gigantic. I think they're probably the same height, and Dewan's a little bigger. But in terms of like someone I've like had made eye contact with, like shook their hand, talked to, um, I don't know if I've ever met anyone bigger than Keontae Goodwin. That kid is a giant, and he's seventeen, and he lost one hundred and twenty-five pounds in five months. Made me feel like a piece of shit. So uh, good for him. <laughs> good for he, did, him. he did keto. <laughs> yeah. he, I mean, that's basically what he did. He lost. He said. Uh, 
He's like, I lost 125 pounds. I'm like, that's crazy, man. And he's like, and I did it in five months. And I said, okay, I have no recruiting questions. Just tell me how you did that because I need to drop some LBs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, weight loss is the easiest and hardest thing simultaneously in the world. So, yeah. uh, but go check out that story on the Athletic. Um, super excited to see where he ends up. It was a good story by Bill. And you know, other than him missing a trip to Tudor's Biscuit World. I think it was a, a fruitful trip down there to Louisville. Yeah, well, you know, step one to dropping 125 pounds is to not go to Tudor's Biscuit World. <laughs> well, if you would have gone on the way, like I told you, you wouldn't have had that in your head yet. That's true. And you couldn't That's have been true. held accountable for it. Yeah, I would have just been interviewing the kid who lost 125 pounds with biscuit crumbs on my sweatshirt. I'm like, oh, yeah, man, that sounds good. Yeah, good for you. Diet starts tomorrow is going on my epitaph. <laughs> diet, does, <laughs> diet does start tomorrow. Yeah, go read that story. Theathletic.com slash four dash six. Get you signed up if you want to learn more about Keontae Goodwin. He's a, he's a really nice kid. Like, in addition to being a really good football player, he's a really nice kid um, who's, who's got a pretty compelling story. So um, I enjoyed going down there to talk to him. Some news this week from Ohio State as it relates to the calendar moving forward. Spring practice will start March 19th, which is like three weeks or two weeks later than it normally starts. Um, spring game tentatively scheduled for April 17th. Uh, which means we have sort of a, a, a target date in mind for, for the start of spring practice and, and gearing up for that. And we wanted to start that in this episode by looking at some of these position groups or all these position groups on, on Ohio State. We broke it down by 10 groups. And what we're going to do is, is Ari and I are going to rank the 10 position groups uh, in terms of how good we feel about them. And and I guess I will say like when we get to number 10 doesn't mean we necessarily feel terrible about it, but we feel the least good. We'll put it that way. We want to make everybody uh, – Going to a panic here about where Ohio State is, although there might yeah, be ten, there might be some I, reason to panic. Actually. Ten is when it's the worst. Yeah, one is the one is we feel best about this. Ten is we feel the worst about this. I think we should flip that and just make it more normal. Ten is highest confidence level. One is lowest confidence. Okay, level. or is it already too late? Or uh, people well, are going to be confused. I can now. I can flip the list around that I have in front of me. That's fine. That's no problem. Yeah, simple math, but like ten highest confidence level. Let's keep it. Let's keep it. Okay, easy. so ten. Okay, so now we're we're going to start at ten. Then we're going to start with where we feel best because we want to we want to leave the cliffhanger of what we feel worst about and make people listen to this whole episode. Sure. Okay. Sure. That's a good strategy, but. Yeah. Do you think it's entertaining for people listening to this that we plan our podcast on the fly as we're recording? Probably not, but you know, I if it were up to me, I'm not the host, but I me would neither. do it just position by position, so it's a surprise. So now and we're so now we're like a, so now we're like assigning points. Okay, okay, I see where you're going with this. Yeah, it's just like quarterback, offensive line, tight end, running back, receiver, and then confidence level from one to one ten to in 10. that position group. Okay, okay. That's how I thought we were going to do it. Okay, we can do this it. Is going, we can do it that way. Okay, this has been two minutes of discussing <laughs> it. I don't know if John wants to cut this out, but um, it's cool because we have about, if you made it this far, another 55 minutes of pure football talk. And I was just thinking, Bill, that like we're like a few months removed from being closer to the opener than from the national title game. Like, yeah. these, And you know how fast spring football goes, and it's like the next thing you know it's going to be June. So, um I think this is fun. It'll be a nice preliminary conversation, and I'm excited to see how our our gut feelings about these positions match up with what you learn in spring here in the next few weeks. Yeah, okay, let's do it this way. Okay, we're going to start with quarterback then. Uh, yeah, let's start with quarterback. Okay. Okay. Quarterback. You go first. Eight. Eight? Eight oh, confidence okay. level out of ten. We're off, uh, we're off to a roaring start here. Okay. Do you think that that's like way too high? No, I <laughs> I did this wrong. 
I, so you I was to, like recalibrate the no, math. No, no, no. I was going through. I was going through, and I, I assigned my points the wrong way. So I had a four next to quarterback, but I actually should have a seven next to quarterback. So we're more on the same. Yeah, page. yeah we're on the same. Yeah, page. you got to just flip the math here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. guys. Just bear okay. with us. It's been a while. You're at, you're at an eight for quarterback, and I'm yeah. at, I'm at a seven. So I think we're and yeah. the confidence level isn't. How confident are you that Justin Fields is going to be back? Like, the confidence level is how confident you are that there will be a quarterback on this roster that's really good. Right. You know, and I think that we have to, like, readjust the way that we view the quarterback position at Ohio State, at least until we see one of the quarterbacks on the roster perform the way that we've seen the quarterback position perform the last two years. And, um, I don't know if it's just an eight on C.J. Stroud. I think it's an eight that between Jack Miller, C.J. Stroud, and Kyle McCord, they're going to find a really good one. Um, And the depth of the position in general, even though one only plays, I think Ohio State has more than enough options. And, you know, Ryan Day's strength as a coach is development of quarterbacks. That Between all those factors, um, it's pretty hard for me to see a world in any scenario, even with an injury, where Ohio State has porous quarterback play. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I just I just trust Ryan A's ability to de- to develop whoever the starter is, and and I also feel I think it would be interesting to do this exercise exercise now and then do it again before the season in August because right now they they have the three guys and maybe once they figure out a starter or it's trending in a certain direction for a player they might lose some guys and then the depth in this room looks really bad. But but I'm at a seven right now because of all the things that you said. I think no matter who wins this job, Ohio State's and ending up with a good quarterback. He's got really good weapons around him. And he's got a head coach with a strong track record of developing quarterbacks. Because even I go back to 2017, like what what JT Barrett was in 17 compared to what he was in 15 and 16 was night and day. And then obviously Dwayne was great and and Justin was great for two years. So I have no doubt in in my mind that whoever this guy is is going to be good Um, probably right away. Like we'll have some growing pains because he'll be a first year starter. But but I think he's going to be developed the right way. Um, Doesn't make it any less fascinating because I still think Kyle McCord has a legitimate shot to win this job. Um, I don't think that's an answer we're going to get after spring, but if that happens, I think that that's the scenario that that could potentially create the most shakeup at the position. But really, no matter how it shakes out, I, I feel pretty good about it. I don't see a scenario where he wins the job. I don't know if it's just me, but just from an optic standpoint, he would have to be leaps and bounds better. Yeah, but I think than the, he, could, the he could be. Couldn't he? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's possible. I'm not. I I am uh, very much an amateur. Uh, evaluator of quarterbacks i hesitate to even call myself that i'm just a guy who likes to watch football but uh i think kyle mccord showed up on campus as the best passer in the group that would be something it would be yeah but like he, he has to pick the best guy right he can't you can't you can't recruit I think you, this way you can't recruit this way and then worry about that like the optics of it you just pick the best guy and if the best guy's McCord and the other two decide they want to leave, like that sucks. But you just go get I don't know a if, transfer back up and you're fine. I don't know who the what if optics is the right word, I think it's the ramifications. You know, I think that yeah. he would have to be head and shoulders better. And for a true freshman, while possible, considering the fact that there are two other guys on the roster that were also very highly rated prospects that have been in the program for a year, like Kyle McCord might end up being the th- best out of all three of them and when it's all said and done Mm -hmm. but being the best of the all three with your shoulders above them by august 1st is a different discussion so if if he is 
listen, we're talking about a five-star quarterback here, and he's from the greatest city in America. So, like, I mean, he's I don't from, know. He's from New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think, uh, I think Kyle's dad might listen to this, so sorry. Like, Jersey's fine. <laughs> I don't mind Jersey. <laughs> yeah. In case you haven't known, Landis really has a lot of pride in Philadelphia. I'm not sure if you guys have figured that out yet, but uh, he's from Jersey. It's fine. Um, but that's a, it's a high ask. And I don't know that it even should be the expectation. And, you know, what? With, when things will really get interesting is when McCord and uh, Quinn Ewers eventually have a quarterback battle, yeah. if it turns out that way. That's going to be bonkers. Um, but the entire idea of how you build your team is around the quarterback. And we've talked about this in the past, about finding one is the most important thing, regardless of what happens. And I tr- truly believe that if McCord gives this team the best chance to win, and it's not even a debate that you do that. But from a ramification standpoint, I don't know that that would make much sense because I think both would leave immediately. Yeah, I think they would too. And I think I think that if you put yourself in a position where, well, how do you think this is going to play out? I think he's probably going to name a starter on Wednesday going into the game. And at that point, it might be too late to leave. But also, as we've talked about too, these people know – how it's going and it's just a really really tough scenario because it's just like if that happens then you're putting yourself in a position from having one weird play away from not having a quarterback and it's like I don't know if you have to take that into account because you need to have one to win a national championship and it's just like what would happen if if McCord is clearly the best player at that position on the team both of those leave and then it's like then what are you left with Jack Sawyer is your backup quarterback didn't Pick Central win like seven games with him at quarterback? I wrote yeah. about it. I can't remember. It was, yeah, I think yeah. he did okay. Yeah, before he uh, before he hurt his knee. Yeah, but his I think I think that those players. are things. Yeah, ineffective. I think it's something that has to. I think everything that a coach does is about the big picture, and roster management, and roster development, and the progression of your roster is certainly part of that, if not a major part of that. And every decision you make in fall camp. Uh, is going to determine the future of the trajectory of that position, which is redundant, like I always am. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know. I just He would just have to be much better, I think. I don't think if it's just like he's 2% better, that's enough. I think he has to be like leaps and bounds better than the other two. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I get what you're saying. I would uh, I would just pick whoever the better. Like, I don't really care what the margin is. If one guy's better, I'm if, if one guy is better even by the slimmest of margins, I'm picking the guy that I think is better and not worrying about the ramifications of that. Because if you were worried about the ramifications of that, you wouldn't have built your room this way in the first place. Do they mean to build their room this way? Yeah. I th- like I, he, he intentionally went and got C.J. Stroud when they already had Jack Miller. They went out and got Kyle McCord knowing they had C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller. They went out and got Quinn Ewers knowing they had these three guys in the pipeline. Like... I don't think Ryan Day concerns himself with it. I think I think on some level he has confidence he's going to keep it together, and, that, and that's probably a little bit of misplaced confidence because I don't think they're going to keep all these guys together. It's just not realistic. Um, but I don't think like the long-term big picture should impact who, your decision on who your starting quarterback is in 2021. You just picked who the best guy is, and you have from yeah. now until the first week or the last week of August to figure that out. And based on your uh, elite-level talent evaluations, though, uh, and you wrote about him. You went to Philly a few times. Uh, what do you see there that might not exist with the other two? I think it's a lot of it is is throwing ability, like throwing with anticipation, 
um, like ability to kind of make every throw, which, which I, I think like Stroud and Miller have, and, and maybe um, I'm short selling them a little bit because I've, I've watched Kyle McCord like in a game, even though it was a high school game more recently. So I think we forget a little bit about how good these guys are. And I think I said before, it's like I watch Kyle McCord and I like get enamored with him and I have to go back and watch like CJ Stroud and Jack Miller in high school to remind myself how good those guys were too. So they're all really good. I think I think McCord's, McCord's got a little more to him as a passer. Um, I think Stroud's got a little more to him as like an athlete, which which I do think Ryan Day covets. And, and all three of these guys can throw the ball in the way they need to throw the ball to be effective in, in this offense. So it's not like we're in like a – Tate Martell situation where like you just didn't have confidence the kid could throw the ball well enough to, to be the kind of quarterback you need him to be. I think all these guys can do that. Um, I just really like I like the way that McCord like the anticipation with which he throws. I think is the thing I like the most about him. Yeah, I think that that's a. Let me throw one more curveball at you. What does naming a true freshman starting quarterback in twenty twenty one do for? your uh, confidence level in, in eventually signing Quinn Ewers? It would probably dampen it a little bit. It's like, it's qu- like I suppose the, the line would be like when Quinn Ewers shows up here, it's a competition again, which I guess could be true. Um, but if that were to happen, it's like you're going to come and sit behind a guy for two years. Um, if you're the number one player in the country, probably not, right? So I would feel – And like, I think I that's like also part of it. Yeah, but they like. I don't. Maybe I should. We're talking say. about the highest rated player in the history of Texas football outside of Vince Young here. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know. I think they can just go <laughs> get another good quarterback. <laughs> it's like, okay, I don't know. I mean, it just depends on what you think about yours. Because isn't he the the way that he's evaluated? He's evaluated as like one of the highest rated players to ever come out of high school. Yeah, and like that. that's the thing where like I'm I'm then above my head because like I watch Kyle McCord and I watch Quinn Ewers and I watch like C.J. Stroud and like they all just look really good to me. So like I don't I'm I don't understand the position uh, with enough with enough depth to say like oh yeah like this is why Quinn Ewers is way better than all these guys. It's like I watched Quinn Ewers play and. He looks great. Like he throws the ball extremely well, but I think every high school quarterback I watched at that level throws the ball extremely well. <laughs> I mean, the question too is that we talk about recruiting rankings and deciphering these rankings all the time. It's like how much difference is there in a, a practical standpoint between Quinn Ewers' rating and ability and Kyle McCord's rating and ability? Because Kyle McCord is a, a five-star prospect right. who I think was in the top 25 nationally. It's like, how big is the gap between those two guys? Is it huge? Is it is it literally a, a fraction of a percent? Like, I don't know how to quantify who – you know, I don't know. Like, it's like when you get to that level of rating, it's just kind of like, well, now the only thing that's left to do is see how it plays out. Yeah. But if you view Quinn Ewers as a guy who is a potential – and I hate to use this because I use it too much, and you can't have a generational talent every every, every class. Yeah. <laughs> right. But he is rated in the correct usage of the word generation. He absolutely is, yeah. yeah. So, like, in that case, the long-term health of Ohio State's football program is probably far better off with that kid at least arriving in the program than it would be if he doesn't. And if Kyle McCord starting lessens the – probability by let's say i don't know 10 percent that he comes which i think is is probably a fair number mm-hmm. 
what percentage better does McCord have to be than the other two sophomore quarterbacks on the roster for you to not only risk and probably subject yourself to losing the other two and then also dampen, like you said, your ability to – I mean, that is a lot to, to throw out there. And I'm not saying that if, if Ewers flipped to wherever he flipped to afterward – that Ohio State wouldn't be able to go get the number 71 overall player. I mean, Clemson just did it this week. Right. Uh, they missed out on Ty Simpson, and they got Cade Klubnick, like, what, five days later? Mm-hmm. I know Ohio State would bounce back and get a top 100 quarterback from somewhere. But just the idea of the importance of that single commitment, what it means. I did a story on The Athletic on Thursday ranking the five most influential commitments, of early commitments of the 2022 cycle, and Quinn Ewers was number one. Sure. Not only because of what he means to Ohio State, but because of his decision and the dominoes that it created with the other quarterbacks going to these other schools. So it's like you're in a really good position right now, and I think the idea is or the, the hope is for Ohio State that in two years they have two of the four on the roster. However that manifests, two of the four. In order to get to two of the four in 2022 or 2023, I don't know that you can start a true freshman in, in 2021. And I'm just saying, I wonder how much, and like that's an interesting story. I mean, you might even just ask Ryan Day, like, how much do you consider roster management when making decisions? I'm sure his answer would be like, none. But I don't know if I'd buy it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I think you're right. I think I think if you were to pick McCord, that the long-lasting ramifications are are massive and and could very well lead you to not being able to sign Quinn Ewers, which is obviously a huge deal. I just don't think that should factor into your decision making because you're not like this isn't like the NFL, right, where you're like retooling a franchise and like have a long game in mind. It's like you're. You're expected to compete for a championship every year. You're Ohio State, so you pick the best quarterback. The quarterback who gives you the best chance of winning that championship, and not worry about who the guy's going to be three years down the road. That I yeah, mean, that's I guess my opinion like, on it. And I guess if McCord is what he is in this scenario, then Ohio State's got two full classes after this one to address it too. Because like, if we're also in the world where, uh, and I think we are in that world where freshman quarterback. A, expect to play right away, mm-hmm. but B, are playing right away, then I've got no doubt in my mind that Ohio State would be able to sign another five-star quarterback between now and the 2023 class. Or find a transfer. Or find a transfer to come and play. Yeah. You know, because what, is being Ohio State's starting quarterback one of the five best jobs in college football from a player standpoint? Mm-hmm. Maybe top three? Yeah, I think so. So, you know, I get it. I, it's just... It's all risk versus reward and, like, what Ryan Day's temperament is, and we can speculate about it all day. Um, And it's just a matter of, like, how 
quote unquote quote unquote ruthless he wants to be. And you know, maybe he will be, and maybe it won't be a big deal for him. But to me, looking at everything, like think about the sheer amount of hours and work it put together to put this class together uh, last year with the with Miller and Stroud and the tightrope they had to walk there, then to get McCord to commit right after that, and then to get Quinn Ewers to commit after that. Like think about the hours and hours of planning and tightrope walking that had to happen for us to get to today. Yeah, you know, it just seems to me that like. He has to be leaps and bounds better to me. Like I, I think if he's comparable, he's out. If he's comparable, he's not the star- yeah he's not the starter. Not out like yeah. off the team. He's just not the starter. Yeah. Well, I, th- I, th- I think that's fair. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not totally there with you, but I think I, I think I get the the point of view, and, and I think yeah. I think a lot of people might actually maybe more agree with you than they do with me. But I'm just about pick whoever the best guy is. I don't care what the margin is. So anyway, all right, running back. Seven, six. We're right on this. I love Mayan Williams. Like I, I don't know how this is all going to shake out, but I know that I love Mayan Williams. And if this ends in a scenario where like Mayan Williams is Ohio State's number one tailback, like good with me. Yeah, that's not how it's going to end. Uh, I don't know how it's going to end, but I feel I, I like what Mayan Williams brings to the table. Um, I'm still like a little bullish on Marcus Crowley if he can like have a full healthy off season and like get back to what he was when he when he first came in here, and then. Obviously, you have Trevion Henderson, who could be phenomenal as, as a true freshman. So they have options, I think. And and I would like to see like one guy kind of emerge and, and be the no-doubt-about number one. But they have so many options here that I still feel pretty good about it. So I don't know how old you were when you found out that um, recruiting rankings are based on NFL draft positioning. Um I think that's fairly well known, but like I never really put it together in my brain. Um, in, in terms of your like position, thirty-two five-star prospects because there's thirty-two first-round picks. because there's thirty-two picks, yeah. right? And they also decide whether or not you're a five-star prospect based on your position and how likely that position is to get drafted in the first round. So you'll see, like, you don't never see a five-star center, right? Because those those positions just don't go. Uh, in the first round so when you see that Henderson is ranked as the number 22 overall prospect in the 2021 class when running back also isn't an attractive first round pick it happens but it's not as common as a it's much easier for a quarterback to be a five-star prospect than a running back and then you look at this kid's tape like I don't see a scenario where he's not the starter from day one like I think that he might be the most complete running back Ohio State's ever signed and again, I don't know. I, I don't remember Eddie George's. No, like in this modern era, I but think. like in this modern yeah. era, yeah. like I think he is better than Zeke was at this point in his career. And his tape is insane. Did you watch his tape? Several times. I very much enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's a <laughs> it's one of the most impressive highlight tapes I've ever seen. And the way that he's rated, the way that he his size indicates like what his body might be able to endure, um, the fact that. He was coveted by every single major pro- program in the country. Um, what his tape says, like, I don't know. Like, Mayan Williams, I think, is awesome. Like, I, I love Meatball. Like, I mean, I think the way that he moves around is yeah, is interesting. He's, he's big but also very elusive, and I think that he can have a role in this offense. But my seven is based solely on Henderson's projection as a starting running back. If Mayan Williams is the starting running back, mine goes down to a four. 
Like it's, I think it's interesting that like Mayan Williams starting makes you a six. No, like, no, to that's, me, that's not the that's scenario not, where it didn't not, work uh, out. Oh, okay, that's not where I am. No, no, I think um, I just like talking about Mayan Williams. Like he's my he's my favorite guy in this group, and not necessarily because I think he's the best. I just kind of like I kind of like the. I don't know the combination of like his personality, like the way he looks when he's playing, and the fact that he was like way better than any of us expected him to be. Like I just think he's a cool story. Um, I think Trevion Henderson is obviously the best player. Um, I think by some point in twenty twenty one, Henderson's going to be the number one tailback. I don't know if it's going to be right away or not, but I won't be surprised if it's if it's right away. I wonder a little bit about the fact that he didn't play football this past year, um, and he'll have time to work back into that. Obviously, you know we're assuming they're going to have a real spring. So um, my. I think I would be higher on this, like if they had a no doubt about it returner, um, and they don't. Um, but I still feel as good, good enough to put a six on it because of Henderson's upside and the fact that I do think he'll be the starter. And and I think that like Mayan Williams factors into this, whether that's like a change of pace, number two guy, whatever. I like what he brings to the table. And then behind that, you're still going to have some decent depth. Um, like maybe like like T Crowley Chambers, maybe not all three of those guys are in the running back room or, or someone wants to look around or something, depending on how this shakes out coming out of spring, but they're not all gonna be gone, so you still have good depth there too. So it's really it's a it's a solid room with like a really high end star potential, but I'm not like all the way there on like a nine or a ten because, you know, Henderson hasn't played football in a year, even though he does look really good. Is it possible, like on a scale from one to ten? Uh, how possible do you think it's po- uh, it is that Ohio State has a freshman starting quarterback and a freshman starting running back? Uh, like a five and a half. <laughs> like I feel much better about it, about the running back part than I do the quarterback part. I mean, but that's just kind of a crazy situation. Yeah, like where it's actually like a possibility. All, you know, all freshman and, backfield. Be. Yeah. I wonder how often that's happened. Not, I mean, I, I can't imagine. Does the light bulb just here. go off? I can't imagine it's happened here like very often at all. But um, I'm just talking about in general. Yeah, that's worth. I mean, it hasn't into. happened in the last twenty years. Yeah, 2011, right? Was the last time they had a true freshman starting quarterback? Yeah, and the tailback that year Heron. was Boom Who Heron, was the? Right? Yeah, Boom Heron was. The, yeah. I think so. Those years run together. Yeah. Um, and the last starting. Who was the last starting true freshman tailback? Claret. Uh yeah, I think so. Right. So Beanie didn't start as a true freshman. He played a lot as a true freshman. He wasn't the starter. Yeah. Antonio Pittman was. Yeah, I think it was Clarence. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I mean, and for a team that has recruited like this, sometimes it's like funny to me, and it's just a reminder that even if you recruit like a juggernaut, like you still find yourself in positions like this, and I just find it so interesting that in the world of college football, where NFL draft picks leave early, transfers happen, injuries happen. It doesn't matter how well you recruit or how thoroughly you put your roster together, you still find yourself in a position where it's like, oh, shit, we're relying on freshmen. Yeah. And it's like that might not be the case right now, but Ohio State is certainly relying on Henderson. Yeah, they're definitely relying on Henderson. The McCord to a lesser extent, but but Henderson for sure. Because Henderson, yep. Henderson, if for whatever reason, like Henderson's not part of the mix, I don't even, like, I don't even know how that would happen, but like the – the ceiling on this position, I think, like lowers considerably, like you were saying, like dramatically lowers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, uh, receiver. Ten. Yeah, I give ten. it a ten. Ten all day. Do we, have, do we have to? No. Do we have to break it down? No, or that's we a just ten. Move on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Olave Garrett Wilson and all the other young players. Okay. Yeah. Next. Best. Okay. Uh, 
we'll do tight end and then we'll do a line. So tight end. Okay, tight end. I'd say uh, eight and a half or nine. Oh, you're okay. So you're much higher on that than I am. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jeremy Ruckert coming back is a big part of that, and I know that they had Luke Farrell, and their uh, their depth might not be as deep. I'm so redundant and so annoying. <laughs> they might not have as much depth as they've had at the position in the past, but I think Ruckert might be the best tight end in college football. And Ohio State's offensive scheme will reflect one tight end sets more than it did in the past because they don't have the option to do to do what they did when Farrell was around. So I I don't have any qualms about being super confident what Ruckert brings across the table. Yeah, I don't have any concern about Ruckert either. Um, I put this at a four, which is pretty low. What? Yeah, I have two defensive positions above it, um, and it's my lowest rated offensive position. Um, I have it at a four. I love Ruckert. I, I agree with you. I think he might be the best tight end in the country. Um, the four is more like about uncertainty about where the offense is going, how much they still want to use two tight ends. I still think you need another one. Like even if you have Ruckert and Ruckert's a stud, I think the way that they want to operate, they're still going to need another one, and they don't have one yet. It's like maybe Kate Stover becomes a dude this spring and he's ready to go. Like Sam Hart is just arriving. He's a true freshman. I don't expect much from him. Joe Royer like didn't play last year. I don't think he'll be quite ready. They didn't address this with the transfer. At least they haven't done it yet. So like there, there's like no depth here. Ruckert's great, um, and maybe I should be higher just because Ruckert's great. But the depth, lack of depth, is concerning, or lack of like known commodities, I guess, behind Ruckert is is concerning to me, and just a little bit of uncertainty with where the position as a whole is going is why I have it down here. How how concerning? Let's just say in this fantasy world that Ohio State has to remove double tight sets out of their out of their playbook completely. Uh, How concerning do you think do you think that is to the offense just in general? It's not super concerning. It's I mean they've done it before. They played that way for forever. This is like the two tight end stuff is like a relatively new phenomenon. So like if they didn't if they went back to playing more eleven personnel, like they'd be fine. Um, and I will say too, like going through all of these positions position groups there was like a definite cutoff to me where i thought it took like a, a a more serious turn toward concerning and it was after this so like everything like above tight end and above where i'm ranking i mean four is a pretty low score bill no but like something had to be four like we're ranking 10 and we're assigning them a position like so one of them had to be four uh, i will say like like four up through 10 i feel pretty good about all of them oh okay we are doing this differently and i'm just realizing it now no, I'm not assigning. Uh, the only, you have a ten, a nine, an eight, a seven, a six, a five, a four, a three, a two, and a one, and that's it. You don't get to move a sliding okay. scale for every position. Okay, I have been just going to rate the ones ten that I think are ten. There's only one. 10. If I'm doing it your way, then four is where I would put. It. Only, I, I thought only you meant you were four. No, 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 no. Okay, right. there's no sliding scale here. Well, we're 32 minutes into this. Okay, thing. just forget. And, okay, uh, from now on, there's no. <laughs> there's no. Sliding. Okay, do you remember what I rated everything? Uh. You had quarterback as an eight. Okay, I think this is still going to work out because wide receiver's ten. Yeah. Can I move tight end to four then? Absolutely. Okay, tight end is four. I have an eight in the confidence scale that it will be fine, but it's the fourth position group. Okay, I'm so sorry, guys. Uh, sorry, bear with us. Good podcasting. <laughs> yeah, great podcasting. Planning <laughs> it and then after planning it, not doing it right. Right. Uh, it's it's um, okay. So I know. So what did I just do? Just give me that, and then I'll go. You had there. quarterback as an eight. Okay. You had uh, running back as a seven. Okay, I'm good then. This is how I would have done it anyway. You had receiver so as a perfect. ten. 
Yep. Okay. Cool. So now we're on tight end. Tight end is four. Four. Yeah. And I'm also a four. But it's like it's okay. It's a four because of where it stacks up against other position groups. It is not a four in terms of the quality of the position. Gotcha. That's why yes. I was that's why I was um confused. And now what you're saying makes perfect sense. Okay. And I'm I actually unintentionally did this perfectly. So Great. and I wouldn't lie to you. All right. Um so now we'll go right to offensive line. We'll go to offensive line. Welcome back to Four to Six with A and B. Your high side podcast brought to you by <laughs> <laughs> ranking of high side position groups one through ten. We're on the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, what do you got for offensive line? Offensive line is nine. Nine. Yeah. I actually. Okay, yeah, I, I mean, they're awesome. Did you, did you consider putting a ten at all? Uh, well, I didn't consider well, that at all. Right, now just, that we know, <laughs> now that we know what we're doing, I would have put offensive line first uh, or second. No yeah. matter what. Yeah. Um, no, I think wide receiver with Olave and Wilson is clearly number one because of the explosiveness and the depth. Um, offensive line is going to be super good. And like the fact that the top four um, position groups on my list are all offensive, I think is kind of an indication of where we believe this team is going to be again. Um, wide receiver, no doubt about it in your mind. Offensive line is little to no doubt as possible, especially with – the talent that needs to step in and the talent that's coming back. I think Munford returning is huge. I have every bit of confidence that Paris Johnson Jr. is going to be a star this year. Um, and just from A to B on brand, left mm-hmm. to right, that's, I think, probably the best offensive line in the country. Yeah. Uh, and like Ohio State's offense, regardless of what happens at quarterback and running back, I think it's just going to be super awesome as a result of those two things. Can I say something crazy? Sure. If you told me the guys that we are projecting as a top five offensive lineman for this year got teleported to Mars and aren't on the team anymore, I think I'd still feel pretty good about the starting offensive line with what was left over. I think that's not that crazy. Like Dewan Jones and Max Ray at tackle, Luke Whipler, maybe true freshman Center, Donovan Art, Jackson, yeah. Nina Vimahi as your interior guys. Yeah. Like it's all young, obviously, but like the depth here is pretty cr- like we like stud gets a lot of shit and i think some of it is deserved for how they've recruited the tackle position specifically but this is a really deep position group yeah um it might be 10 i don't know cuz it's not 10 it's not 10 it because is. like chris olave and garrett wilson might be the two best receivers in college football yeah um and i don't know like thayer munford and nick petit Frere were great and maybe they're the two best tackles in college football. I don't know. I think they could be. Um, I'd still put receiver at 10, but I think it's worth having a conversation. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I The fact that it's, it's wide receiver, offensive line, quarterback, running back on my list, I think is an interesting spot for how to view this team, for sure. Yeah. I, my, my top five is a little different than yours, but quarterback, running back, O-line, receiver are all, are all there. My my, uh, I guess we can go there next, right? We're on the defense now. So I have defensive end as eight. Okay. Defensive end for me is six, which is not a terribly large discrepancy. I really like Tyreek Smith. I think in the last podcast we or two podcasts ago, because the last one was with Dean Brugler, we talked about like guys that could like really set the tone for next season or like step up and be huge pieces. And like I'm all in buying a lot of Tyreek Smith stock. Um, and I think Zach Harrison like didn't quite make the leap we thought he'd make last year. Although I will say I think he was better than people will give him credit for. The sack numbers weren't crazy, but I did think he played pretty well. 
um, especially as a run defender. Um, and I think he's trending in a good direction. So you have two those two guys at the top. You have like a Bosa like freshman coming in with Jack Sawyer, and then there's some pretty good depth behind all those guys. Like I I feel pretty good about defensive end. Um, I'm banking a little bit on upside, but I think it's going to be a really solid group for them. I don't want to undercut you, but defensive tackles my five, and the reason why uh, defensive end got an edge higher because I think the defensive tackles are are really good when you look at them on paper. Yeah, is that like I'm anticipating that both Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison are going to be really, really good together at the same time this year. And I think it's possible that defensive production off the edge this year improves from what it was last year. Yeah, And I don't know if that's too high of a, a, high of a leap, but with both of those guys in the system for another year, the hope is that Tyreek Smith can get healthy and stay healthy. Um, those two guys, I think, have boom potential. And if both of them rev... I mean, I don't know. The Clemson game it's just, it was the most perfect game ever for Ohio State. But, like, if Tyreek Smith is that Tyreek Smith and, you know, Zach Harrison didn't play in that game but turns out to be the guy that we all thought he is uh, or was when he was a recruit, I think the sky's the limit for that position. And also Jack Sawyer is a stud. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's, like, freshman Bosa-ish next year. I also have defensive tackle at five. And when, when I think about um... – the opportunity to have a real spring. Um, and it'll be interesting to talk with Ryan Day whenever that happens next about like just just how close to normal the spring is going to be. I think fairly close to normal, at least in terms of coaches being able to get their, their hands on guys and, and develop them in a way they just couldn't last year. Uh, I think you could see maybe the most gains here on the defensive line. Like the like the, the second tier defensive end, like Javante Jean-Baptiste, Noah Potter, Darian Henry Young, Jacoby Cowan, and then at tackle, like once you get past Haskell Garrett, and Antoine Jackson, it's like, what does Jerron Cage become with a real spring? Teron Vincent, if he's healthy, can, can he finally take a real step forward? Jaden McKenzie didn't play much last year, but, you know, he was a guy that Larry Johnson really liked coming out of high school, even though he wasn't ranked that high. Ty Hamilton had a ton of buzz last year, um, but I'd, I'd imagine it's tough for any true freshman to go through that kind of spring and, and make a real impact. So they have a lot of guys here who I think are intriguing and with, with you know, proper developmental time can really take a step forward. So I, I have tackle out of five because you have an All-American leading that group and Haskell Garrett, and, and I think they can round that rotation out pretty well with, with some of the guys I named. And Teron Vincent is another, like, really high upside guy. If I'm just going to say, if like... He can, if he can finally, like, become that guy we all thought he was going to be, right, then you're talking about two really good defensive tackles in Garrett and Teron Vincent. Yeah. I don't know if it, if the ship has sailed on Vincent yet. Um, I think it's too early to say that it has. Uh, but he reaches 80% of his ranking, and you've got yeah. two of the best defensive tackles. I mean, Haskell Garrett should have gone to the league, I think. I mean, he played himself in the NFL last year, in my opinion. I was like, uh, yeah, he was, I guess Olave was the most surprising because I thought Olave was going to be a first-round pick. Um, Garrett was right behind him because that felt to me like a strike while the iron's hot kind of deal. Um, and not to say he won't be great again next year. Like, he was a really highly rated recruit himself. He was a top 100 player. Um, I think like the number six, five or six defensive tackle in his class. So like he's what what he's become is not all that surprising considering where he was rated. But it was pretty wild that he just like shot out of a cannon, especially after getting shot in the face. Um, so I was a little surprised that he didn't come back. He, that he did come back too. But That'd be a good headline: shot out of a cannon after being shot in the face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he'd appreciate that one. He didn't really want to talk about that ordeal, which I get because it had to be pretty traumatizing. Yeah, um, I agree. So, but it's like when he, if he wasn't back, there's still some guys here that I think you can talk yourself into getting excited about. But this takes on a very different look if you don't, if you know that Haskell Garrett's not coming back. 
Yep. Um, but it'd be nice if Tommy Togia came back too. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm very curious if uh, the bottom three here are going to be uh, the same. All right. And now that I realize that we are doing it wrong, your initial plan was the right way. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it would have been good to go from 10 to 9 to 8 or 1 to 2 to 3 to 4 and build up uh, this way. I'm sorry, everyone, the entire podcast. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. I hope we can still get the five-star ratings because we desperately need them so we don't get canceled. But <laughs> I really messed this up, and it's on me. I think people— I, I take. I take they expect it from me. I think I think people get the gist, um, but it's going to work out nicely because we have three position groups and three. Uh, all of us or both of us have gone four through ten already, so we only have three, two, and one left to, to rank. Yeah, and it worked out well too because we started with the four best position groups. That's right. So, and I, I didn't. The only one I had to change was tight end. So uh, tight end is four, um, and I think you might even be able to make a case that tight end. Now looking at it as my full list is on my screen could be in the five or six range because sure. I think that if you have one of the best players at your position in the country then then you automatically should be viewed a certain way especially if you can get by with only playing one um, but I get your point with the lack of depth there so I am really conflicted down here I don't know where you are uh do you want to do you want to like go worst second third now or do you just want to go down the list no let's just keep going like kind of okay uh position by position as as you would view it on the field I guess and then and then at the end we'll remind people of our list um, so okay. we're 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 off the defensive line and we're moving to the back seven. We're on linebacker now. Where do you have linebacker? Okay, my linebacker is two. Okay, I have it at and three. Th- and I, I thought you would, and I really struggle with this because Taraja Mitchell, um, I think, has a chance to be a stud. This is the first year where it's kind of like a, a refresh, uh, refreshing new set of faces where you know you can see where these guys like Dallas Gant, um, you know. Court Williams, guys like that, uh, who actually might act, you know, play a ton this year, like how they're going to do. Um, but when I look at the cornerbacks, I see two potentially really good players there starting uh, at the top two. If Cameron Brown can return from his knee injury and and be what I think he was on pace to be last year, and seven banks with that year of valuable experience, like I like their starters better. I think I like the depth. At linebacker a little bit more, but I like the starting boom or bust talent at the top here to put them over linebacker because linebacker just, frankly speaking, and I know Pete Warner was very underrated and you love his game and he's going to probably make a really good NFL pro, but the linebacker position in general just hasn't been dynamic. Mm -hmm. And, like, also with Kerry Combs, this is his specialty, supposedly his specialty. Like, I don't know how you can't put them at three. I mean, I, it was tough. I get it. But it's it just I, I am blindly trusting that the combination of Cameron Brown and Seven Banks and uh, Kerry Combs' tutelage uh, is going to make them a solid group this year. I think I put linebacker three because I like have I don't feel like I've been exposed a whole lot to those guys not playing well. 
Um, whereas like the corners, I feel like I have to to a greater extent than the line. Like the linebackers are like total mystery to me for the most part. And there's guys that I definitely like there, like Dallas Gant and like Craig Young is very intriguing to me. I'm not totally sure how he fits in, but his athletic upside. I think we said before he might be the best athlete on the team, or, or at least one of them. Like Tommy Eichenberg, they tweeted out a photo of him like leading stuff during workouts, and maybe that's that's reading way too much into that. But I thought that was interesting. You know, like Cody Simon, I think is like a baby Malik Harrison. So there are a lot of guys that we've not seen a ton of that that I think have some pretty good potential. And compared to the cornerback room, there are guys in there who have potential, like you said. And I think you do trust Kerry Combs' track record of developing a little bit. But I've also seen like Seven Banks not play very well, and mm-hmm. I've seen Marcus Williams not play very well. Like Tyreek Johnson's a five-star guy who can't get on the field. Like how am I supposed to feel about that? And then there's a bunch of freshmen behind them who've like never played, and I feel like I don't know anything about them. Um, so, I'm very curious to see Legend Cavazos' development. Yeah, no, I'm curious he's a to see freak athlete. Cavazos, Cam Martinez, Ryan Watts. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. J.K. Johnson and Jordan Hancock aren't aren't here for the spring. They'll they'll arrive in the summer. So, between Cavazos, Johnson, and Hancock and Burke, I think the future is super bright. Yep, I'm I'm excited to see how that develops, um, especially with Hancock because he was a huge get for the 2021 class, um, and I think. You're kind of splitting hairs here between three and two. Yeah, and I think, I think so that- too. I think so too. But I, I also think, like, on some level, I feel like there is a, a succession plan that has been in the works for a few years that is like coming to fruition at linebacker and at cornerback. I feel like that's not happening as much. I still feel like there's like a bridge between this run of first round guys they have and like this next wave who's coming like in this current recruiting class and behind that. And I don't know how to feel about that bridge. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I also wonder, though, if these guys at linebacker were legit and dynamic as as they need to be, if it would have gone this way. Yeah, I think that's a fair question. Because we, we've been writing about for two years, Bill, is this the year that Mitchell breaks out? Is this the year where Gant, like, are they going to replace the starters? Or are there going to be a new fate and it just hadn't happened? And it's like nobody in this group that's stepping up right now took a spot. Yep. And, you know, again, there's team politics. Tough Borland was uh, a very important piece to this team, at least from a you know leadership standpoint. You know, everybody's got mixed feelings on how to feel about the linebackers last year. But I do think that it's fair to say that there were spots to be taken. Um, it felt like there should have been anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or it could have happened. Yeah, the fact that we were discussing it is an indication that it could have happened and it didn't. So that's what kind of gives me pause. But the succession plan thing that you brought up, I think, is good. You have a set of starters who were there for twenty years, <laughs> and then you had guys that were working behind those starters that were really good in their own right, from what we heard, but just didn't that were just blocked from the field. And now that the floodgates are opening, and you've got all this new blood, like is it going to turn out to be a dynamic group that? People are going to be like, Al, how did you not play these guys last year? And, you know, maybe not so much in, in place of Warner, but, you know, there, there's some spots there. So, uh, and I think safety uh, is the clear answer here at, at one. Safety is a clear answer at one, I think, in terms of position. But I, I, I find this dynamic fascinating because if you were to ask me, like, rank your top 20 players or 25 players on the roster, like, like guys you like, guys you'd buy some stock in, Josh Proctor, Court Williams, and Lathan Ransom would all be on that list for me. But yep. I'm not sure any one of them is a safety. <laughs> I mean, I said that Lathan Ransom might be like my most, I think in a mailbag question, I, I said Lathan Ransom might be one of my most important picks for guys to have production that 
aren't in the picture right now. So, you know, it's certainly there for the taking, I think, to some degree. And, you know, I think part of these rankings, too, it's like you're scarred by the way things went a year ago. Mm-hmm. And, you you know, it's kind of like what you said when, with corners. You've seen them play poorly, and we've seen safety play not go the way that we think it might. So um, the thing about it is, is that if Ohio State's safety is one, like I still think they might have the second or best safeties in the Big Ten. So, like, I want people to, like, put in perspective, too, that, like, somebody had to be one on the list because Ohio State has ten position groups and you had to rank them. Right. But that's not an indication that the one is, like, terrible. It's just not as stacked as some of the other positions, and it's not as proven as some of the other positions. It's not. And, and there's some some – ambiguity i think too with exactly how they're going to use that position right like are they going to stick with the single high are they going to play more too high could one of these guys you know mainly proctor or williams become like a bullet type of hybrid linebacker and then you start moving guys all over the place like is lathan ransom like actually a corner or a nickel or is he actually a free safety i just don't know if you like list all these guys that i have currently listed at safety and say like of this group, find like a no doubt about it center field safety that you feel good about to play in this single high system, and I don't see one. Um, right. And it's not to say that somebody can't emerge and become one, and that's where the spring becomes really important for them. But at the moment, I don't feel great about anyone manning that role, which makes me think that maybe they could be changing things a little bit, or maybe just like Josh Proctor, like will finally become the guy we, we've always thought he was. And I think he's I, he's a really good football player, and I love him playing down closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, and if he was like the bullet, whatever you want to call it, I think that would work out really well for the defense. Um, I just don't know if he's going to be like that stud Molly Cooker kind of guy on the back end that we all thought he was going to be. Um, and like Marcus Hooker's still around too, who won a starting job last year. Maybe he takes a step. I don't like him in that spot either. Um, Lathan Ransom, Ronnie Hickman, Brayson Shaw, I think are the guys we don't know much about, and maybe one of those guys can surprise us. But yep. um, there's not a ton of clarity here, even though there are some good players. All right, we got uh, some time left. You want to hit some mailbag questions? Sure. Actually, no. Let's do this. Let's 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 clear this up and rank them. Yeah, rank yeah, them from yeah. ten to one. So you you go first. Ten to one. Your position groups. Wide receiver, ten, the best. O line, second best at nine. QB eight. Running back seven. Defensive end six. Defensive tackle five. Tight end four. Cornerback three. Linebacker two. Safety one. Okay. And I am receiver 10, offensive line 9, defensive end 8, quarterback 7, running back 6, defensive tackle 5, tight end 4, linebacker 3, cornerback 2, and safety 1. So not a ton of discrepancy. A little change, a little different at the top, a little different at the bottom, but I think mostly you and I are viewing this team in a kind of similar way. We, uh, I messed up for the first 30 minutes of the podcast, and this is exactly how I would rank it. So I'm happy that we didn't completely go off the rails there because like if we would have started with with defensive tackle, I might have been like eight. eight. Yeah, no, it worked out. It worked. We got lucky. We got lucky. I don't think it, yeah. I think it ended up not being all that confusing. Um, and thank you all for bearing with me. I uh, I need to you know sit in the corner and think about some things, but you know <laughs> right. it worked out well. And I, I feel I think now uh, interesting exercise might be on a scale from one to ten in the same range that we did it. How good do you feel about the roster in general after going through it like that? Um, that's a good question. Like uh, eight, maybe like a seven between a seven and an eight, maybe. I would say eight. Yeah. So, 
and I don't know, I think maybe eight is the place that you want to be. And I think Ohio State could compete for a national championship with this team. Sure. I don't know that I would pick them to win it right now. Um, I probably wouldn't. I think this is a playoff team, and I think in two years it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I was thinking that the other day, that I think I think it's a playoff team because it sort of always is because it's standing in the Big Ten. But maybe it's two years away from being like a real legitimate national title contender again. But then I also thought about the thing that like we've talked about with Doug before, how like Ohio State always like does its thing a year early, a year right, one year before we all think it's going to. So it's mm-hmm. like I don't know if CJ Stroud's hosting that gold atrocious gold trophy at the end of next year. I'm like, oh yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, I mean, with the pure talent on the roster, it's never it's never something that should be shocking. Uh, and I think if your team is built up with one of the best receiver groups in the in the country, one of the best offensive line groups in the country. Um, that is a really good starting point for having a elite level offense, and I think the question is whether or not the back end of Ohio State's defense can play at a at a high enough level to compete. But I don't look at this roster and think, "Hey, anybody in the Big Ten is going to beat this team this year." Look, they probably will lose one because they, you know, teams lose games. But you know, I I think that this is unquestionably the best team in the Big Ten. Watch out for Rutgers, baby! All right, let's go into the mailbag uh, again. Kind of a new setup. Hit us on Gmail, 4T06AB at gmail.com. Just send in questions whenever they pop into your head. We're going to grab them kind of randomly um, from time to time and, and try to answer them. And then obviously we'll have full mailbag episodes too. But let's finish with a couple that were sitting in the email um, left over from last week. This first one, let's do this one from Eric because it kind of ties in with what we were talking about a little bit. From Eric, he says, uh, do you think Ohio State will have many guys enter the transfer portal after spring ball? And if so, which position groups do you think we will be most affected? I think yeah, like yeah, like a lot of guys. Probably not, not a lot of guys. They're actually they're numbers wise. Not that it matters because you get um, relief to go over eighty five if you want to next year with the seniors going back. They're like right at eighty five anyway. Um, so they're not like there's no kind of numbers crunch happening here. It's just a matter of which positions are really crowded and where if, where guys might look to find some clear past the playing time yeah I, I also before we go into this am wondering too of like if ohio state loses guys to transfer and they're not seniors with the ability to go over the scholarship limit as a result of the covid stuff if they will bring more guys in and like have 91 or 92 scholarship players next year i think they. Could. it's like yeah and it's like if i understand this correctly you can take a graduate transfer who was a senior last year and he has that year still right uh-huh Everyone, so like yeah. they could, yeah. well, I mean, what's stopping a team from taking twenty transfers at, that are seniors? The money it would cost to pay for their scholarship would be the only thing, um, which is like not a consideration for like the top fifteen schools in the sport, probably. Um, but yeah, it's possible. That's why I think like like it's been, it's been in terms of adding guys, it's been slower for Ohio State than I thought it would have been. Like I thought maybe they'd add a corner, possibly a tight end, like maybe a linebacker, and it was like. Maybe Eli Ricks is going to leave LSU, and he didn't. And like Henry Toho Toho, I think is how you say it. Is looks like he's going to go to Alabama, right? Um, and like a tight end name, I don't really think ever emerged. So it's not to say that more guys can't become available after spring, <clears throat> and maybe they will. But in terms of where they might lose guys, I think the most obvious two are receiver and secondary, depending on how all that stuff shakes out, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, and quarterback, I guess. But running back, maybe you alluded to. Yeah. I don't think quarterback sees any movement because I don't think Ryan Day is going to name a starter until, like you said, two days before the, the game against Minnesota. So, 
uh, or a day before the game against Minnesota. Maybe like there are 17 scholarship offensive linemen, which is like a like a healthy number to have for sure, but it's also a lot. And if you're at the bottom of that list, maybe you think to yourself, like, am I ever going to get on the field here and look, and look elsewhere? Um, but I think, yeah, receiver, depending on who behind Olave and Wilson kind of situates themselves closer to the top of the rotation, and then secondary, depending on how all those positions shake out, I think are the two places you look at yep. in terms of guys leaving. All right. Um, question from Robert. With the recent internal promotions and ongoing discussions of whether it is smarter to promote from within or do a national national search, I'm surprised that Kenny Guyton's name does not come up as a leading candidate for an heir apparent to Hartline, Brian Hartline, or to be a future quarterback coach at Ohio State. There's so much time spent on Marcus Freeman, but Guyton seems to fit the bill for the offensive side of the ball. I think that's true. Um, but they haven't had really any opening. I guess they, you could have hired Kenny Guyton to be Corey Dennis, right? Um, although Kenny Guyton uh, is currently at Arkansas was at Colorado State, Louisiana Tech, and Houston, and I think he was at, like, Texas for a week. Um, only ever been a receiver's coach, which is interesting because he's a quarterback. He's not been a quarterback's coach in college. Certainly he could do it because he played the position. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think Robert's point is right, that we maybe should consider Kenny Guyton as a future addition to Ohio State staff, and I think we do. It's just that, like, I don't think Brian Hartline's going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, and I just don't know how easy it is for coaches to transition. And maybe early in the career it's easy. Um, but, you know, at a certain point you become the type of position coach that you are, right? And it's just Ohio State's wide receivers coach is probably the best recruiter in college football and has proven to develop these guys at a high level. So it's just I don't know where Brian Hartline's going to end up in three or four years. And, and maybe at that time Kenny Guyton would be the perfect type of person. A guy who's from Texas, who played at Ohio State, who has gone and recruited different areas of the country because all of his uh, college experience, for the most part, has been in Texas and in the surrounding areas of Texas. Like, I mean, I think he's a very attractive candidate, you know, and I think that Marcus Freeman um, is certainly a higher topic of discussion because Marcus Freeman was a coordinator at a team that was in a playoff discussion. So I think, like, part of that, too, is just prestige of the position need um at that specific position because ohio state had some turnover at the defensive coordinator role this year and um you know just kind of is necessity but i think that kenny guyton at some point like if somebody put a gun to my head and said do you think he'll ever coach at ohio state the answer would be a resounding yes yeah i think he will be at some point too um i would be interested to see if he ever makes that transition to quarterbacks coach um because i don't know like i don't think you had to play the position to be a good coach of, of that position like Corey Dennis didn't play quarterback in college he played receiver um, I believe and um, like Kevin Wilson is coaching tight ends and he played offensive line so it doesn't matter and Al Washington played defensive line and coached linebacker so um, you don't need to line it up that way but I don't know I don't know how Kenny Guyton is regarded as a receivers coach to be perfectly honest I know Ohio State fans love him and they should and he's got like a kind of a I don't know if cult following place in the in the history of the program is the right way to put it or not but he's a guy that people really like um but i don't know like coaching chops I don't, i'm not just totally, i'm not totally liking sure somebody and remembering the purdue game is not the same thing as if uh, he should be a coach here you know yeah and i'm not saying that he shouldn't but i there's lines you know you say the same thing just, about brian hartline though. i was like oh because just yeah. because he was in the nfl you think he's gonna be a good coach turns out yes <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. Do you think Brian Hartline's a better coach than he is a recruiter? And, like, I don't know. I'd play for Kenny Guyton. Uh, he'd be somebody that you might 
want to call and, and write about. I think people would enjoy that. Let me write it on my list. I have a, a Google Doc of story ideas that's about seven pages long, and i got to figure out like what I should actually prioritize. I guess I've got I, a Google list of uh, story ideas that's about seven pages long, and of the seven pages of story ideas, I can't get anybody to call me back right now. It's <laughs> that's also a problem. Yeah, that's also I don't know what it is right now, but I can't get anybody. And it's just like, do you ever get into slumps where it's like, everybody you call calls you right back, and then sometimes you'll go like two weeks and I can't get a phone call. Yes, back. absolutely. All the time. Yeah, it's super it's frustrating. It's like up and down. I don't understand why yeah. that happens. I think it's hard. I think it's more difficult now too because like everything's over the phone. Maybe you notice it more. Like I, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to a place earlier this week and talk to Conte Goodwin, but that's not been the norm for the last year. Almost everything's been done over the phone and Zoom, and yeah, you feel like you get in the slumps every every now and then. Yeah, that are super frustrating. Okay, uh, there was another mailbag question that I grabbed, but honestly, if I asked it, we would talk for another hour. And like it was, it was from Josh, and it's a great question. And at some point, we're going to talk about it. About just the, create a file for leftover questions. I have them. Yeah, yeah, I have them. Okay, yeah, um, sitting sit there. So uh, Josh, who asked a question about the quarterback dynamics, uh, we were going to talk about that at some point, but we need to a lot more time for that than we currently have left here. But please continue to send questions in four two six ab at gmail and we'll grab those every now and then and answer them. Please subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4-6. Get you signed up. Get you a discount. Uh, leave a five-star review if you'd be so kind on Apple Podcasts or leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts if that's possible. That helps us out as well. Um, the the offer still stands for Ari to come wash your car when you do that. Just uh, email him your address and he'll be there with a bucket and a squeegee. And uh, we'll be back next week uh, with another episode of 4 to 6 with A and B as the Buckeyes get closer to the start of spring practice on March 19th. So we'll talk to you guys then. Mm-hmm.